You hear about big acquisitions, fundraising, and getting a deal on Shark Tank all the time. But what you hear about far less often is building a profitable business. My next guest tried the first, but found freedom, success, and happiness in the latter. No matter what you do in life and and business, you're going to get critical feedback for what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. But the reality is like none of that feedback really even matters because they're not stakeholders in the business. So the feedback that I really value are going to be those from my business partners and kind of uh, the outlooks that they have on life and the direction that we're going to go. And the reason that I preach so much isn't because I'm telling other people to do it, but it's a reminder to myself that we need to do that. We need to stay focused. We need to incrementally improve because we have for so many years made the decisions that were not really good decisions for the business. This episode of Rolled Up, I chat with my internet friend, Eric Bandholz. We discuss why profitability is important, finding a focus, and the joy of doing it your way. We also touch on the future of shopping, both online and offline. Here's my conversation with father, beard bearing co-founder, and the only creator of a business YouTube channel that I know who has received a platinum award, Eric Bandholz. If you are in e-commerce, I'm sure you know Eric Bandholtz of Beard Brand quite well, but if you've been living under a rock for the last few years and haven't seen him on Shark Tank or the commercials that aired during major television events, or for some reason, if you're listening to this podcast and not uh, an entrepreneur or in e-commerce, how would you introduce yourself and, and how you identify? Yeah, uh, I get around. I'm a little bit of a whore, like you mentioned, but I describe myself as uh, the founder of Beard Brand and I, I kind of... Also like the title, like creative director, I kind of sit on the marketing side of things. I like to implement the vision and also kind of spread the word of what we're trying to do. Which is what Beard Brand has opened up. And you've been quite outspoken about it, Eric, when a lot of companies are touting their investments or their exit. You've always really talked about profitability. And why has that been so important to you as you've been growing Beard Brand to have profitability front and center in everything that you do? Yeah, I almost feel like uh, the, the term profitability is a, a dirty word in, in multiple senses. In one sense, uh, I think we first connected on Reddit many years ago, and Reddit is a very anti business type of organization where the idea of profit is bad. And then also kind of from the VC world, where if you're focused on profitability, you're not growing, you know, you're, you're giving up any kind of opportunities to scale. And we don't really see it. We see profitability as a synonymous with sustainability. So if you want your business to exist for long periods of time and be sustainable, then profitability is a requirement to that. So from day number one, we always knew that we wouldn't be able to grow unless the company was profitable. We have uh, our core values of freedom, hunger, and trust really kind of dictate the way we're building the organization, which is as an independent organization. So we don't want any third-party investors or bank loans. Uh, We want to be debt-free. And to do that, you need to have good cash flow and you need to be selective with how you allocate your scarce resources. The other thing that uh, people like to forget about is every single company has scarce resources, beard brand included. doesn't matter what size you are, big or small, VC funded or bootstrapped, you are going to have bigger eyes than what you can handle. And it's by understanding that scarcity that you have that you force yourself to 
put your resources to the things that make the biggest impact to the business. So rather than being loaded up with capital and cash and being like, oh yeah, I want to try to sell, you know, beard socks or something today. (laughs) CBD infused beard socks subscriptions. Yeah, exactly. You know, some kind of weird asinine idea. You're forced focus on the things that are the most profitable and most beneficial to your customers and then refine that and prove that and get better at that. So that's kind of the the mentality we've had over the past, I, really since we started, but we've refined it over the years to be more confident in that belief. Yeah. And I, you just hit on so much there. That's just, I think should be screened from the rooftops a little bit louder than maybe it is because really when you have communities like reddit that are anti-business and anti-profit as well as on the other side of the spectrum vcs and investors that want you growing at the expense of profit it does take away from your focus on what you need to do and you tweeted out a great list about just really staying focused and how it might have been another tweet but when you take that money on Get it out of the bank account because it can really muddy the decision-making that you have when it comes to allocating your scarce resources, whether it's money or or something else. To add on to that, like, um, you know, the term Black Friday, I believe it comes from the term of uh, all the day that the retailers finally go in the black. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've been running in the red all year long, and then you're, you're finally in the black. Well, what happens is those first you know, like three quarters or whatever, your business is super lean because you're not making any money. You're, you're only allocating it to the things that are really necessary. And then uh, hopefully you have a really profitable fourth quarter and then you can kind of pay back any kind of tightness that you had. But here's the thing is if you get too throffy, uh, it goes back to that same thing that we we're talking about earlier. You think you've got money to play with and uh, you're a little loose with your decisions. You're less likely to cancel any kind of ongoing subscriptions that you're no longer using, or you know you'll you'll keep your team on board when there's really not work for them to be done. So by forcing your company to operate in a lean process, not so lean that you can't grow, but lean enough that you're focused on your core competencies uh, with a little bit of room to test new things, then. Uh, I think that's going to be the healthiest for the long-term sustainability and for actually growing the fastest. You've hit on a few different themes of almost saying the same thing, but in different ways, whether it's a brick and mortar retailer 50 years ago that changed their entire business model after Black Friday, not sticking with what got them there and paid the rent the other 10 months of the year, or having to come up with things and create asinine products of the latest trend or fad just to appease investors and make that month's targets and financial projections that you first set out and claimed you could do. And I think that that just really goes back to that freedom of being debt-free and taking the time to do it your way. Has there been a time where you've been really heavily criticized for running the business your way? I know that uh, a couple of examples could be back in Boston when you talked about pulling off of Amazon or as since it is Black Friday, while we're recording this on Cyber Monday, maybe beard brands adherence to not discount. But I think it, and I'll just leave it at at that as a couple of examples, but have there been times where naysayers have criticized you for for sticking to that that philosophy of having the freedom to do what you want? No matter what you do in life and and business, you're going to get critical feedback uh, for what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. But the reality is like none of that feedback really even matters because they're not stakeholders 
in the business. So the feedback that I really value are going to be those from my business partners and kind of uh, the outlooks that they have on life and the direction that we're going to go. And, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like also mentioned something. I, w- I want to be clear. I'm not anti-investor. I'm not anti-debt. I think those are great opportunities to accelerate the growth of your business. And they're also great opportunities to bring in really intelligent people to the, the business who might be able to make up for your your weaknesses. So we have a tendency to get into a little bit of a an echo chamber uh, with our business partners because we we see the world very similarly and we we tend to to operate very similarly too, which is great for uh, not having conflict among us, but it's also challenging because we're all willing to to shift on the dime for for the hot new mm-hmm. thing. So we have to kind of uh, you know force ourselves to heed the path. And, and the reason that I, I preach so much, isn't because I'm telling other people to do it, but it's a reminder to myself that we need to do that. We need to stay focused. We need to incrementally improve because we have for so many years made the decisions that were not really good decisions for the business. No, I love that. And I think everyone on this this podcast has stories of times where you spend money on a promotion or a new product line or something just trying to chase it. And especially if you've come from a world of where there is a lot of capital, whether it's oil money from down in Texas or coming from a software world where valuations are just insane and margins are infinite and you don't have to think about things like shelf stability or expiry dates. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a challenge. And to kind of go back to the, the criticisms, I, I think there's, when you get immersed in the community, when you go to shows like um, Clavio Boston or uh, e-commerce for your life, then you, you always hear what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say like, oh, you know, this XYZ company is killing it on Amazon. They're doing $50 million a year on Amazon. And, you know, we need to get on Amazon and do this. Or, oh, Beard Brand's killing it on YouTube. Look, they got a million subscribers and it's driving 40% of their business. We got to get on YouTube. And I, I think like a lot of the criticisms are really kind of your own head trash, your own distractions mm-hmm. that happen just from being integrated into society. And I think it's important because you do get ideation and maybe sometimes it is the right move to go to Amazon, or maybe sometimes it is the right move to have a promotion, or maybe sometimes it is the right move to uh, implement some kind of new weird product idea. But generally you want to, I really do think it's best to have that core vision and that long-term vision of what you're trying to build with the company and, and stay on that path because uh, it's hard for your consumers to understand your shifts as easily as you can see them in your mind, especially if you're like an ADD uh, entrepreneur like me. I'm a, a, an ideas guy, you know, <laughs> one of those guys that never gets anything done except for just have tons of ideas. And um, from another Canadian, Vessi Footwear, uh, they spoke at a conference and they talked about they just want to have one value proposition for their product per year. Nothing else. That's all they want to do is like they want Vessi footwear to be known as the fashionable waterproof shoes. And that's all they care about. They don't care about, you know, like, you know, the type of wool that's in there or the type of foam or whatever. I mean, I don't know what other benefits they have in there, (laughs) but it's just like, this is the one thing that we want you to know Vessi is about. And we've been taking that, you know, I got that from Vessi and I've finally like, started to implement it into our marketing message at Beard Brand. We we previously didn't do that. It was like, oh, we've got this community and we've got these great products and we're 
you know, no silicones, no sulfates, no parabens, you know, and then keep on growing. And like, it's about the brand, the lifestyle, you know, like I was all over the board with what beard brand was about. And for the next, I don't know, 12 months, two years, something like that, we're going to really focus on this concept of uh, scent confusion, which is where you're using different grooming products, your different shampoo, your body bar, your cologne, your deodorant, and you're creating this kind of scent confusion that people are like, heck am I smelling when you walk by? And we've worked really hard to develop a product line where from head to toe, you can get the same fragrance and not have scent confusion. And not only that, you have six different options and two different price points for it. So uh, to be able to have that flexibility to really find that fragrance that works for you and have no confusion with your fragrance, uh, I think is a pretty big value proposition that we're excited to talk about. And just a question on scent confusion. Is that why old people sometimes have that very distinct old person smell? Is it just like scent confusion of using all the products they've accumulated over the last 50 years? No, no disrespect intended to, to old people, but I think everyone knows the, the smell that I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, a doctor and I don't know why uh, certain bodies smell different ways, but I would imagine it has nothing to do with the products, but to get a little more scientific. So when you sweat, your sweat doesn't actually smell. What smells is the bacteria that is kind of activated by your body's moisture and it starts feeding on uh, whatever is in that moisture. And then in that feeding, it lets out this sulfurous kind of gas. And I wonder if as you age, what happens is your body kind of sweats like different, for lack of better terms, different minerals or elements, and then different bacteria will feast on that. And it's probably that type of bacteria that's creating that odor. Again, I'm not a scientist and that's just pure speculation, but no, but uh, that's... I don't know. We only did this podcast about like what old people smell. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's what we uh, we spin it off into. Yeah, just a podcast about old people. Yeah, just a couple of uh, guys in their 30s asking questions for people in their 80s. Yeah. But a uh, good time to sort of jump back into it because we were talking about evolving and making some of those those bats and really looking is that that decision sort of second guessing yourself or is it a remind why do you keep saying things to remind yourself of it and i just i had to ask about really two things that combine into one and i promise it's not a, a double-barreled question but when i was looking at the um the beard brand black friday sales and, and unfortunately i missed them but i sent a text message into beard brand and i love that it was an austin number and it may be different because I've done, I wrote the case study with how beer brand approaches customer support or because I've met Sylvester in person, but it just, it felt different. When Sylvester mentioned my name, I had remembered texting with him before about different product recommendations. And it just felt like that feeling you get when you go into a barber shop and somebody who knows you and has serviced you before says, Hey, do you want the usual? What are you getting your, your, your haircut for? Is it a special occasion? Do you want to try something different? It just had that feeling of walking into cheers where, where everyone knows your name. And what are some of the ways that beard brand is able to replicate that process of just have feeling like a small one-to-one relationship with your customers while growing and continuing to uh, grow at a healthy pace? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty challenging to do. I think well, the unfortunate answers is like we're, we're growing at a, <laughs> to carry on the theme, we're growing at a sustainable pace. 
So we're not growing super rapidly. And what that means is like, we don't have to grow so rapidly. We're adding, you know, tens or hundreds of different customer service people. And we're focusing on building, you know, uh, careers here at Beard Brand. So we're able to have team members who aren't like on a, you know, what, what do they call that? A carousel where they're just in, in the door, out the door. So yeah. we, I mean, Sylvester's been with the team for, geez, I th- think like four or five years. He's uh, responsible for leading up the community and he's really built a great relationship with so many of our team members. And he started actually in customer service. So if uh, he got those tickets many years ago and and he's been able to, to follow the relationships of, of uh, the people. And it, it's fun, you know, like to see familiar names and to, to have them come back and to engage with them. Uh, we have a private community called the Alliance to be able to, to see their growth and their journey uh, as well has been a lot of fun. And like, how do we do it? I, I don't know. We, we care about it. We want to do it. We want to serve our customers and we're okay with, you know, we're not a growth at all type of organization. So we're okay with doing the little things, even if that means maybe we're allocating our resources, not perfectly optimal for growth or for valuation of the business. Um, but because we can really help our, I mean, the, going back to what we are, our mission, which is to make men awesome. And I think if you just sell products to men, you're, you're really not making them awesome. I think you've got to do a little bit further to inspire them, to educate them and to, to help them along the process. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. If you're, if you're just selling products, you're, you're just taking their money. You're not really making a, a, the world a better place at all. Again, I I don't want to sound like I'm throwing companies under the bus that are doing that because, uh, you know, your products hopefully are bringing value to consumers' lives, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I I think for us in the space that we're in, so many guys are new to grooming, like so many guys are using the the $1 shampoo. Mm -hmm. Uh, They never done skincare. They don't know what exfoliating is. They don't know what emulsify means, you know, like so many like basics out there that, that women have been fortunate enough to really been targeted and educated towards no one's done that for guys. So uh, we're one of the first companies that have really taken a big investment into educating guys and giving them resources and, you know, showing them what a hairdryer does and how a hairdryer works. Like I would think most guys, uh, you included, because, well, we all know about what's under that hat. (laughs) You know what though? Like that's my joke that I always wear a hat because I'm bald. Like that's the joke. Um, but it's become so much of my identity and I do it so often. Someone didn't know that I'm bald. Like they legitimately oh, thought man. I had hair and I just wear a hat. Uh, but if I did have hair, I never took care of it. Part of the reason that I shaved my head was, it was just easier than learning what a, a hairdryer does or ever really taking any, any pride in it. Yeah. And I mean, you could grow a skullet out and still wear a hat and make it look like you got some nice flow going on. I could, I could do, uh, I could also do the Maddie Matheson and just have a one big rat tail. All sorts of options for you. You didn't even know that. It's true. And I think that's a, a great segue into the last point I wanted to to take it on home with was, so tell me about the barbershop and what opening that was like. Yeah, when well, it is a really good segue because so much of what we're trying to do is build an experience for our customers that they, they can't get anywhere else. And especially in 20, 2021 and into the future, uh, you think about the reality of the space and you can't deny that Amazon's not an amazing company. They, they do things incredibly well. They are a very challenging competitor to face up against. And what does Amazon do well? They have, you know, endless supply of options 
and they get the product there super fast, you know, like in a couple of days. Well, we can, we can get our stuff there like fast, but I don't think we'll ever be like consistently as fast as Amazon. And we will never, ever, ever have the amount of uh, options for our customers that you can get on Amazon. So instead of trying to play Amazon's game, we're going to play Beard Brand's game. Mm -hmm. And Beard Brand is going to do that by focusing on the customer. So what are the things Amazon cannot do well? And those are the things that we are investing in. So we invest in tons of content. You know, Amazon doesn't have a blog on grooming. Uh, we have tons of videos, like we talked about on our YouTube channel. Amazon's not going to do that. And then, you know, like bringing kind of the online to the RL, the real life and uh, the barbershop, you know, so they see these cuts online and now they're going to be able to experience them in person. And I can guarantee you, like maybe Amazon can do like content marketing and videos and stuff, but there's no way they're going to be opening up a barbershop. No way. Like I, I can confidently put my money that Amazon's never going to get in the barber game. And if they do, you know, like come back and prove me wrong. That's fine. But uh, I think, you know, that's the opportunity for beard brand is like, how do we really give experiences to men that are more hands-on, more educational, more like showing them uh, proper experiences where they can invest in themselves and, and how to use that uh, confidence they're developing from that self-investment and make the world a better place. I love that. And I think, opening up a barbershop really is a great way to compete against Amazon because to your point, you're not going to be able to ship. Maybe you can ship as fast as them or competitively fast, but you're, you're never going to beat Amazon on that or product selection. But where you can beat Amazon is creating those experiences that customers really do find valuable and really not just creating better products, but a better way to use them. So you're using the products correctly. I'm sure that uh, just about every guy uses way too much moisturizer or face wash or when they drip it out than they need and really showing, uh, showing men how to take care of their products or even just combing their beard correctly. Yeah, and it's also like, those are really challenging because uh, we, have, we have these two products. We have a styling balm and a utility balm. And maybe this is, um, you know, product of not naming them properly, but the styling balm is a styling product. It's designed to, you know, like you would style your hair, uh, to style your beard, uh, or to style both of them. It can work in both your hair and beard. The utility balm is designed as a conditioning product. And in re reading the reviews, you can clearly see that there are people who bought the styling balm wishing it was a utility balm and vice versa. And, uh, you know, part of that is just like, how do you get that information to the consumer so that they're making that right decision and they're using the product uh, properly? And it's always a, a balance because if you overwhelm them with information, then things can kind of get lost and they end up like picking up nothing. So um, I, I think, you know, searching for perfection in that you're always going to have cases where, you know, you do everything you can uh, to reach the person, but ultimately like, different people are different. So you have to kind of, even within your content delivery, you have to focus on how is that communication style that works with you from a creator perspective, and then also uh, the, the consumer of that information, how are they going to respond to it and engage with it? So you kind of want to find something that works as a very simple and plain explanation. Some people like to consume content through video. Some people like read blogs. And you as a website or you as a brand, uh, you need to decide, do I want to make video or do I want to make blog posts? You know, which is 
more conducive to my skill set internally and then go down that rabbit hole and then in a perfect world you do both right but that's usually not the case with a smaller business you have to make those um, choices early on on how to prioritize your energies so that it's uh, connecting with the really going after the lowest hanging fruit From this conversation, you can tell Eric doesn't just care about his business, but the people he works with too. His motto, keep growing, isn't just about hair. It's about everyone that matters to him, his family, his coworkers, and his friends. You can find Eric on Twitter at Bandholz, B-A-N-D-H-O-L-Z. And you can check out all that's coming out with Beardbrand on their website. If you want to make a purchase, text Sylvester and see what he recommends. He won't steer you wrong. And you can always, always, always get grooming advice, style tips, and everything else to help you keep growing on their YouTube channel. Next week, I'm joined by another voice you might recognize, Kristen LaFrance. She's made a name for herself through podcasting and growing her career. We chat about some of the things that can make a great podcast and how you can use podcasts to grow your career too. That sound means it's quitting time, so I hope you've got one rolled up because it's time to bogey on out.